thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us from, we hope that you know that you are loved and that this message encourages you throughout your week. so grateful that you are a part of the Faith Chapel family. We continue to connect, grow, and serve, connect people to Jesus, grow together in faith and friendship, and serve one another in our community. It's because of you, you're making it happen. So if you're new to us, welcome to the Faith Chapel family. Well, as we begin to celebrate this weekend, our nation's birth, I just wanted to start by something that's a little funny. It says, only in America, only in America can you buy a pizza Get it and get it to your house faster than you can an ambulance. <laughs> Only in America are there handicapped parking places in front of a skating rink. <laughs> Only in America do drugstores make the sick sick people walk all the way to the back of the re- of the store to get their prescription instead of healthy people being able to buy cigarettes in the front of the store. That's true. Only in America do people order a double cheeseburger, large fry, and a Diet Coke. Only in America do we leave cars worth thousands of dollars out in our driveway and put our junk in our garage. That is so true in Southern California. And only in America do we use caller ID to screen calls that we and have call and, and also have call waiting so we don't miss a call from someone we didn't want to talk to in the first place. And that's also true. And one last one, <clears throat> only in America do we buy hot dogs in packages of 10 and only have buns and packages of eight. Somebody please explain that one to me, right? Well, as we celebrate America's birth and we celebrate, you know, all of the freedoms that we have here in America, we're going to look at one more of God's promises, and that is the promise of God's freedom found in John chapter 8, verse 36. It says, so if the Son sets you free, then you will be free indeed. Before we look at this verse, let me allow, let me set the stage a little bit if you allow me to. Jesus starts by going to the temple. He's teaching on a regular basis. Now and he just flat, flat out comes right out and he says this: Are you trying to kill me? And the city is filled with people. They're amazed at all the miracles that he's doing. But there are some people that are asking this question: Isn't this the man that they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking in public, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities concluded that he is the Christ? I can only imagine the Jewish leaders becoming infuriated at the thought that people are even. Asking that question, have they, those religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, I mean, have they finally concluded that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God? Well, they can, can't can stand that at all. So they send people to go arrest Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Once he gets there, he teaches one more time. They're amazed. And then he walks right through the crowd. The next day, he does the same thing. He gets up. He goes into the temple and he begins to teach again. And this time the law, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they bring a woman who is caught caught in adultery. They throw him at his feet right in the middle of his discourse. And Jesus says this, they, they want her to be stoned to death. And of course, you know the story. He says, you without sin, you can cast the first stone. They leave and Jesus doesn't condemn her, but he forgives her. This starts an incredible back and forth dialogue between Jesus and these religious leaders. In John chapter eight and verse 32 and 33 says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There it is again. He says, you can be free if you know the truth. And they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been slaves of anyone. 
How can you say that we will be set free? Now, this is the proudest boast of the Jews. We are Abraham's descendants. It's amazing to me how blind people can be through religion. Religious pride and arrogance has got to be the worst. Not only had they been slaves in Egypt, Syria, Babylon, Persia, and Greece, but now they were under the tyranny of Rome. Of course, they had been slaves before. They were missing the point altogether in this argument with Jesus anyway. There is, this is one of the harshest polemics in all of the gospels and Jesus sets the record straight. Now with me in verse 35. Now a slave has no permanent place in a family, but a son belongs to it forever. A slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. The Jews are not sons of God's household because they are because of heritage or because simply they're Jews. No, you become a member of God's household through faith and believing in him. And Jesus is emphasizing doing what God says to do. And they were not doing that. There is a huge difference between spiritual freedom and bondage. And it is a matter of whether one is a son or whether one is a servant. A servant has to, but a son gets to. A servant does the minimum, but a son reaches his maximum potential. A servant goes one mile, but a son goes the extra mile. A servant feels robbed, but a son gives freely. A servant fights for their rights, but a son lays down his rights. A servant is a slave, but a son is set free. And that's exactly what we're celebrating this weekend. We're celebrating freedom, Christian freedom. That was a part of our nation's history from the very, very beginning. Let me go back and remind you of just a few things. For instance, the first settlers in America came here to express their religious faith, a freedom of worship and of religion. The pilgrims who came on Plymouth Rock on, on the Mayflower wrote the Mayflower Compact in 1620 and said this, in the name of God, <clears throat> amen. Having undertaken for the glory of God and for the advancement of the Christian faith, do solemnly and mutually in the presence of God, covenant and combine ourselves together. 23 years later, the New England Confederation was written. And listen to what our founding fathers wrote in this document. Whereas we all come into these parts with one and the same end and aim, namely the advancement of the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel in purity and in peace. And then the framers of the Constitution wrote in 1776, we therefore, as representatives of the United States of America in generally assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of all the world for the resuscitude of our intentions and for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance upon the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. It was also during a hotly uh, contested debate during the Declaration of Independence in which that first Continental Congress of being where Benjamin Franklin stood up and he said this, gentlemen, if it is true that not one single petal from a flower falls to the ground without escaping God's attention, will the distress of this nation go unheeded? Let us therefore determine to seek his face. And at that moment, all 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence left their chairs, fell on their knees, 
and began to pray and seek God and God's wisdom. Wonder what would happen in our country today if all of our leaders, our local, our state, and our federal leaders will fall on their knees together in unity and pray and ask God for wisdom and guidance. John Quincy Adams, the second president of the United States, speaking about the Declaration of Independence, said, from the time of the Declaration of Independence, the American people were bound by the laws of God, the laws of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which they acknowledge as the root of their conduct. And we all came together to obey God. That's the foundation of our freedom. That's the foundation of the freedom that we were established on, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself freeing us and helping us to overcome and to, and to connect with one another and with God. That's why we were here. John chapter eight, verse 36, Jesus goes back to this point and he tries to help those that were there that day. And he says, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. He's talking about himself. He says, if I set you free, then you'll truly be free, not from politics, not, he said, spiritual freedom. You'll be free. And so it begs the question, what does Jesus set us free from? <clears throat> well, he sets us free from the burden of guilt. Now in your notes, I hope you're following along on the on our app and you can pull up the notes there, but it's the burden of guilt. Jesus was telling all who would listen to him that day that if they placed their confidence and trust in him, he would free them from the burden of guilt. I mean, there is nothing heavier. There's nothing heavier than a guilty conscience. You cannot live indefinitely with guilt. In fact, all of us make mistakes. This is fact. We all make mistakes and all of us are guilty. That's not the question. The question is, how do we live with it? Well, in Ephesians chapter one, verse seven and eight, he tells us this, for by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are set free. There it is again, freedom, freedom in Christ by the blood of Jesus that he shed on Calvary for you and for me. That is our sins are forgiven. This is great. How great is the grace of our God, which he has given to us in such large measure. You know, guilt robs us of our happiness. It causes depression. It can even make us sick. Doctors suggest that as much as 80% of the people who are in hospitals, those patients could be free and leave those hospitals if they were forgiven of the burden of guilt. Can I just tell you this? In Christ, you are free. You're forgiven of your burden of guilt. We all make mistakes, but let's choose to receive from God and God's forgiveness in this area and let's live guilt free. For in Christ, you are free and you're free according to Jesus indeed. It's an exclamation point at the end. Well, Jesus also sets us free from the pain, the pain of resentment. In life, it is a simple truth. You're going to hurt people and then hurt people will hurt you. It's a fact. You're going to hurt people and people will hurt you. You can't get around it. When others hurt you, you feel guilty. When you hurt, when people hurt you, that's called resentment. You hurt others, you're guilty. People hurt you, you're, you become resentful. And can I tell you, resentment is a bitter pill to swallow. It, it brings bitterness and poison into our life that simply destroys us and we are not to live that way. That's why scripture implores us in Ephesians chapter four to get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander and every form of malice. Why? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as Christ forgave you. 
Well, I don't know about you, but I've had to ask Christ to forgive me of an awful lot in my 55 years. And so I'm to extend that same grace to other people in my life because they deserve to be forgiven. And I am not wired, made by my creator, my designer, to hold on to that resentment. It reminds me of a story of two twin sisters. They live in a small little town in Georgia. They both attended the same church. And, and uh, all of a sudden, one of those sisters was engaged. And after several months of engagement, they got close to the wedding day. And all of a sudden, that man broke up the engagement with that one twin and went and married the other twin. Well, that created an incredible division in the family, created an incredible division in the church. In fact, in the church, when you showed up on Sunday, they would ask you, are you with her or with her? And if you sat with her, you were on one side of the church and with the other twin, you were on the other side of the church. And this went on for over 70 years, late until their 90s. They were still divided and the church was still divided. Can I tell you, that's what bitterness can do. It can destroy, it can wreck, it can steal of all the wonderful things that God has for you. It can steal those things from your life. We can't let resentment grow into a root of bitterness that drives deep into our heart so that we, it becomes harder and harder to unearth it. We need to live in the freedom that God has for us, the freedom of the pain of resentment. Jesus, one last point, sets us free from the expectation of others. I'm sure you felt the pressure to conform at some point in your life. Be dressed like others, talk like others, walk like others, act like others, whatever, right? And when we live with the expectation of others, it destroys who we are, that uniqueness. For we've been fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. You and I have been, have been uniquely formed and fashioned by our Father's own hands, even when we're in our mother's womb, the Bible says. And trying to live up to the expectation of others takes us away from what we stand for and even what we believe in. That's why the Apostle Paul had to make it incredibly clear. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, or chapter 2, verse 4, he said, For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Listen to this. Our purpose, he says, this is our purpose, is to please God, not people. Can I just tell you, that would be a great motto for you to live by in this life. We're here to please God and not people. If we do please God, by the way, I think that we'll gain favor with God and with men because that's what scripture says. So I don't think we have to worry about men. I think we need to worry about what, what is God thinking about our life? What does God want us to do? What is God's will for our life? What is the purpose that God has for us? Well, Paul says one of our purposes is to please God not people. He alone, he goes on to say, examines the motives, the intentions, the reason behind what we do in our hearts. You know, in our currency, it still says, in God we trust. It's traced back to the efforts of a minister, the Reverend W.R. Watkinson. Here's the question I have for you as we clo close today. How do we transfer that motive, that motto rather, from our coins to our hearts? How do we transfer that motto from the coin into our hearts? Well, maybe a great patriot can help us. Patrick Henry said this, and I've left it in your notes because I felt it so powerful. It cannot be emphasized too, too strongly or too, too often that this great nation was founded not by religious, but by Christians, not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Friend, the only thing that brings you freedom, the only thing that brings that motto from your currency into your heart is Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you. In fact, I want to even challenge you that in this moment right now that you cry out to Jesus and you make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. I've said it so many years that God has spent more time playing your life than you will living. He's got a book in heaven with every single day of your life scripted out with good things for you to do. And he's desired for you to accomplish and fulfill every one of those plans. God's just waiting for you to say yes. Well, here's what I know is some of you are going, well, you know, it's worked out so far so good. I haven't had to have religion. I haven't had to have Jesus in my life. Things are okay. Well, let me ask you this question. Let's say you go to the top of the Empire State Building and and you jump off. Are you free to make that choice? You're free to make that choice. And about halfway down, somebody yells from the window, hey, how's it going? And you go, so far, so good. Well, that's just because you haven't hit rock bottom yet. Friend, it's my, it's my experience that most people have to hit rock bottom before they'll make a decision to follow Jesus. Don't do that. Come to the conclusion, come to the realization that the Spirit of God is speaking to you right now, that who the sun sets free, is free indeed. You can punch your ticket to heaven. You can punch your ticket to a better life. You can punch your ticket right now by saying yes. Because the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Will you call upon the Lord and pray this prayer with me? Say, dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I'm making you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for setting me free in Jesus' name. And Lord, I want to pray for everyone right now that's watching. Whatever they need to be set free from. God, maybe it's drugs or alcohol or sexual perversion. God, maybe it's something else that they're dealing with in their life. Would you right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you come and would you release them of that in Jesus' name? I believe that you are a God who delivers. That 2,000 years ago on Calvary's tree, when you shed your blood, God, you open up the avenue and the blessing for us to live in freedom. For you said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. And I pray freedom and deliverance over all the captives that are watching right now. And I ask them to unite with me in their faith and see a miracle happen in their life right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friend, if you have a special prayer request, there's a link at the bottom. You can hit that. Or if you said that prayer and you asked Christ your life, would you please hit that link at the bottom? We would love to communicate with you, send you something in the mail, and congratulate you on the most important decision you'll ever make. I know God's at work in your life. I know God, if you'll stay faithful to his word, stay faithful in prayer, and stay faithful right here in church, I know God will do something great in your life. He has a great plan for you. So I'll see you next week, 8.30 or 10.30, right here, or five o'clock on Sundays, 8.30, 10.30, five o'clock, right here. You can join with me. God bless you and have a great day. Thanks again for joining us today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or any social media platform at Faith Chapel SD. See you real soon.